You're listening to a sermon of Meadowbrook Church in Ocala, Florida. For more media resources, visit us online at www.nbcocala.com. Well, we're continuing on our series, Growth. Everybody say growth. I believe the Lord put in my heart that 2010, we were to emphasize it as a year of growth, personal growth, spiritual growth, corporately as, as a body and also individually. Um, the emphasis is not numeric growth. As I've said, I do believe in my heart there'll be significant numeric growth. Um, God has blessed us in a lot of ways that way. Um, but I think the numeric growth is a secondary kind of thing. It's the fruit of because we're growing and becoming what, what he really wants to, us to grow and become. And we're, we're going to let him do that, aren't we? Amen. Um, just by way of a brief review, Jesus said you must be born again. Amen. And he put emphasis on that. You must be born again. And it's the greatest decision you can make. It's your choice. Um, it's the greatest decision you can make to get born again. And the greatest thing you can become is to become a believer. And when we step across that faith line and we get born again, we choose to believe. When we step across that line, it's a wonderful thing. That's called salvation. That's called being born again. It's also doctrinally called regeneration. And we looked at that a couple of weeks ago. And now once you step across that line, you're supposed to grow. And that's our series called Growth. And something's not right if you're not growing and something will not be right if you continue to not grow. And so we step over that line, born again, uh, all things are new, you're a new creature, old things are passed away. And you now begin a new process, it's sometimes referred to as sanctification. And it's a progressive work of both God and us. It's what I like to call the grace effort combo. There's much uh, grace is God's part. Effort is our part, is our part. And there's much more grace than effort. But the combination goes together so that we grow. And we need to we need to first of all acknowledge I need to grow. Everybody just say I need I need to grow. grow. We need to acknowledge that. Then we need to decide I want to grow. Go ahead and say that. one. I want to grow. And thirdly, hopefully you get to the place where you commit. That I will cooperate with God. Would you say that? I will cooperate with God. And what happens as we grow, we become more and more free from sin. And let me just get this word up here so we can tie all this together. What's happening when we're growing, this growth, is we become more and more free from sin. How many of you know that's a good thing? Well, for the rest of you, it's a good thing. It's a good, good thing because sin damages everything. Even if you have, quote, a private sin or secret sin, don't fool yourself. Because it damages you, spirit, soul, and body. It damages everybody and everything that is connected to you. And so for us, and the wages of sin is death. There's nothing that's untouched by sin. Well, it only hurt this person or those people or whatever. No, it, it affects everything that, that you're connected to. And so the more and more free that we can get from sin, that's a wonderful thing. And, and as we grow, that's what will happen. The other thing that happens is we become more and more like Jesus. And that's a good thing. You know, sometimes husband and wife have a little dispute or whatever. And they would, they would say, you're just like your mother. 
Or, or do you ever look in the mirror and you see yourself, oh my gosh, I'm my dad, you know, or, you know what? And, and we're becoming like, you know, a, a number of things. But I think the best thing to become like is the more and more that we would become like Jesus. Anybody for that this morning? In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13, in the New Living Translation, in the middle of an incredible passage, it says this, Until we come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature and full-grown in the Lord, measuring up to the full stature of Christ. And then in Galatians chapter 4, verse 19, Paul said, My little children... For whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. Becoming more and more like Jesus. Message Bible puts it this way. Until, until Christ's life becomes visible in your life. And I think that's good when we start to see more and more of Jesus. As, as John the Baptist put it, more of him, less of me. And that more and more free from sin and more and more like Jesus. Well, this is not just that we're growing This has to do also with us growing up. And so I know I had you a little bit ago say uh, to acknowledge I need to grow. We also need to acknowledge I need to grow up. And essentially it's it's kind of the same thing here. I want to develop something for you this morning. But this growth is actually a returning. Because if we're looking for our goal, you know... uh, some, some houses, we have one in our garage. I know there's one, there's a, a door down at my mother-in-law's where we kind of mark the growth, you know. And so, you know, your kids are this tall and you back them up against the wall and mark there and write the date, you know, and they keep growing and growing and growing. And that's just kind of monitoring things. But we've got to, in, in Christian growth, we want to monitor it, but we also want to have a goal. And so as we are growing up in him, this growth is actually a returning to something. And we're going to talk about that here in just a moment. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, I'm going to read down through verse 20 in the New Living. It says, what this means is that those who become Christians become new persons. They're not the same anymore for the old life is gone. A new life has begun. All this newness of life is from God who brought us back to himself through what Christ did. And God has given us the task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. This is the wonderful message he has given us to tell others. We are Christ's ambassador and God is using us to speak to you. We urge you, as though Christ himself were here pleading with you, be reconciled. To God, And this word reconciled has to do with really putting things right, adjusting, bringing balance or change, whatever it takes so that things are put right. How many of you reconcile your bank statement with your checkbook or whatever? Now it's got goofy because you've got cards and automatic things and, you know, all of that. But I, I can remember the first checkbook I had. I was talking to a guy after first service. He said, Pastor, what I did was every six months I just opened up a new account. Closed that one, opened up... <laughs> Probably a lot of merit in that, you know, but you know what? Life really can't happen that way. And, and especially our our Christian walk, our Christian growth, um, we have to be reconciled to God. And that is the message, be reconciled to God. So this reconciliation, this growth that is going on in our life is actually a returning. And I'll show you the returning here in just a moment. 
It's bringing things back to the way they should be. Bringing things back to the way they should be. Everything was the way it should be in the garden. Back in the garden of Eden before man had sinned, everything was just the way that God had created it. It was the way that he intended it. It's the way we wish it was. Uh, No taxes. You didn't have to worry about anything. There was no competition. There was no fear. There was no distraction. There were none of these things going on. It was a wonderful, wonderful situation. It's even referred to as paradise. And so everything was the way it should have been in the garden. But guess what? Everything also changed back in the garden. Man had it all and man lost it all. Listen, man had it all and he lost it all. The serpent, Lucifer, taking on that bodily form, actually deceived Eve and convinced her that God was somehow withholding from them. And the only thing that God was withholding from them was misery. And yet she thought, no, you're holding something out. But see, that's where we've got to trust God in this. But the only thing he was withholding was misery. So growth is actually coming back. It's a returning to the way that God created it. To be the way God intended it to be the way original design was it. It's when God was there, everything. Do you understand that? God was there, everything. He was their source. He was there, everything. He covered them. He fed them. He protected them. He guided them. He blessed them. He walked with them in the cool of the morning. It was an awesome thing. They didn't have clothes and they didn't care. And everything was pure. And they didn't, listen, they didn't ever worry about, am I good enough? They didn't worry about all of those things because everything was just the way that God had intended. Because God was their source and God was their everything. So for us, growth is returning. It's returning back to a place where God is everything. That God is our source. So as we grow at the point that we get born again, we start in this progression. We start in this path of returning and coming back to where things are supposed to be. Where they once were, where God intended that he is our everything. That he is our source. Of course, there's things that we're to do. They were to tend the garden. They were to work and tend the garden. But we've got to get back to the place where God is our everything and God is our source. Can I get an amen on that this morning? And this is spiritual growth. This whole process here is spiritual growth. And I want to give you this morning, uh, real quick, two things that, com- that comprise what spiritual growth is. And I've taught these for a number of years, but I want to, I want to bring these back. Spiritual growth is just made up of two things here. And let's get this, let's get this real straight here. First of all, you do what the Bible says to do. Everybody say, do what the Bible says. Which might require you know what the Bible says. So that's important. But do what the Bible says to do and, and I emphasize and real big here. Everybody say and, give me a big and. And. You you not only do what the Bible says to do, but you also walk with God. Everybody say walk with God. Okay, you can do what the Bible says to do. And I've known people in my life, you have too, who do what the Bible says to do. And they're the most crotchety, grumpy, judgmental, uptight people you ever saw in your life. Well, bless God, the Bible says this. How how many of you have met them? 
And this impersonation is not an actual exact representation of anyone you know. But how many of you know it was close? Okay. I just so uptight. We're going to do what the Bible says to do. Bless God. And that is not what God intended. So we do what the Bible says to do. And, and, say and. And it's got to be this combo. And you walk with God. You have intimacy with God. You walk with God. Now there's some people who don't do what the Bible says to do. And they think they're walking with God. And they tend to be a little bit loose. Wait, I'm getting something now. There's medication and counseling for that. <laughs> Neither of those are what God intended. But there's an incredible divine combination here where we do what the Bible says to do. This is how you grow spiritually. Do what the Bible says to do. Well, I think uh, do what the Bible says to do. I want to punch him. Do what the Bible says to do. And. Walk with God. Say it with me. Do what the Bible says to do and walk with God. And what will happen is you will grow. You'll grow and this returning will get you back to a place where God is your source and God is your everything. And it's the best place to be. Now, walking with God, doing what the Bible says to do is not religion. And in the context of what I just said, and I hope that I hope that you'll catch this in this. I hate religion. I hate what it does to people. Now, let me define it a little bit. Religion is about God, but without God, it's a whole bunch of stuff about it kind of keeps God at an arm's length, but yet we don't want him too far away because we might need him. And religion is respectful, but it's not intimate. It's respectful, but not intimate. And so under the guise of religion, and we all have to be careful of this, We go some, we do some, we give some, we make sure we say this, we make sure we look like this, we act like this. And, and, and it's almost binding in a, in a sense. It's very respectful, very respectful. And that's why some of you have the big Bible on the coffee table and somebody go to put something, don't put anything on that. Now we don't read it, but we don't put anything on it. Okay. Cause we respect that, you know? And so. That's religion in all its varying degrees. But what we need and what God wants for us is intimacy. And I want to talk about that this morning. Intimacy with God. I want you to think about this for a moment. God is all powerful. He's all knowing. He's everywhere present at once. He's just incredible. And God can make you, hear me, God can make you believe in him. I mean, you know, God could just show up, do something, whatever, and make you believe in him. He also could make you fear him. I mean, he could do a light show for you. He could just, uh, let's see, let's cut off oxygen just for a couple of seconds here. <laughs> see what they do. You fear me now? You know, he could make you believe in him. He could make you fear him, but listen to me, but he cannot make you love him. And he wants you to love him, but he wants you to love him because you want to love him. That's what he wants 
That's what we need. Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, it says this. Jesus said, behold. I like it in a couple other translations where he says this. Here I am. Here I am. And I want you to look where he is. Revelation 3.20. Behold, or here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. He's standing. Get this. He's standing at a door and he's knocking. Now I was thinking about this. God standing at a door. How many of you know that God, if he wanted to, could glide right through that door? He's done it before. After his resurrection, the disciples are afraid and they're all locked up together behind a locked door. And Jesus just decided and just slid right in on them. He could do that. And you don't have to worry about how the molecular reconstruction, you know, forget all that. He can do what he wants to whenever he wants to. But he's standing at a door that he could glide through. He's standing at a door. And what is this door? I think this door is really the door to your life, the door to your heart. And he's standing at that door that he could glide through. He also is standing at a door that he could rip off its hinges. He's standing at a door that he could huff and puff and blow your house down. But guess what? He stands at this door and do you know what he does? He knocks where he could barge his way in there. He could come in SWAT team and just be in. But you know what he decides to do? I want you to open the door. I want you to want me. I want you to want me. I don't want you to be afraid of me. I don't want, I don't want me to just show up and go, here I am. You know, and people get whacked out this way. And sometimes people get locked up for this because, you know, I love you. Why don't you love me? You know, we want to force the issue or whatever it would be. But, you know, God, God says, I love you. I have, I've demonstrated to you how much I love you. You can't even fathom. It will take you forever to understand just how much I love you. And I could rip this door apart. I could do whatever I could. I could scare you like, like crazy. I could make you believe in, in me like nobody else. But you know what? I've chosen to just stand outside this door as God almighty and just knock on that door. And I want you to open that door. I want you to open that door. I want you to open that door. I want you to want me. I want you to invite me in. And he knocks because he wants us to open. And you know what? If you'll open it, and that's what I recommend, open it. If you open it, here's what he'll do. When he'll come in, he is going to rifle through all your drawers. He's going to find all your hiding places. He's going to poke holes in your furniture. And as I've heard preached so often, he's going to destroy your TV. What did he say he was going to do when he came in? He said, I want to come in. I want to dine with you and you to dine with me. And sometimes we don't want to let him in because Jesus, uh, this is not a good time. Have your people call my people. We'll set up an appointment. Give me a few minutes. I need to make a dumpster run. And Jesus said, I don't care about any of that. All I want to do is I want to dine with you and I want you to dine with me. All that other stuff, take care of later. I want you to want me. I want you to invite me in. Now, this word dine out of the culture in which he said this, they would dine and recline 
and linger for hours. It was actually more about the time spent together than the food. Although I'm all about the food. (laughs) And they would literally, they had these uh, pillow kind of things. And sometimes these lounge kind of things that they would just kind of lean and recline. And spend long time together. They sat close. They were up close. They talked. It's intimate. It was breaking bread together. That close and just taking their time and doing it. And Jesus said, that's all I want to do. You're worried about all this stuff. I got to clean my act up. I got to do this now. It's not a good time. All that. He said, listen, I just want to come in and you're going to be so glad if you, if you let me in. Now, he knocks and he wants us to open the door. Now. There are, and we've shared this numerous times, there are three basic needs of every human being. Three basic needs of everybody here. There's three basic needs of every person you know. The meanest person you know, the sweetest person you know. There's three basic needs. And some of y'all maybe will remember these. The first one is this, intimacy with God. Everybody say intimacy with God. The second need that every one of us has is intimacy with God. With others. Go ahead and say that. Intimacy with others. And the third one, equally important, is self-worth. Everybody say self-worth. Not Fort Worth. Self-worth. And these were all in place at creation. These were all in place in the garden. In the original design, guess what? There was intimacy with God. And there was intimacy with others or originally with the other. And there was self-worth. There was no sense of, am I good enough or do I have to do this? I got to make that up or whatever it would be. There was no self-consciousness, intimacy with God, intimacy with others and self-worth. And these are a need that you have and I have everybody here. Y'all, y'all locked on because we're going to move fast here in these next few moments here. These are needs Needs. How many of you know there's a difference between needs and wants? I've got to get that new cell phone. I need it. No, you don't. You need like oxygen. And see, we get confused in our day, in our society. And yes, with recession and everything, we're still so confused about what we need and what we want. But there's certain things that you need and you need these things. And these are three powerful, powerful needs and they must be filled and they must be satisfied. And if you don't get them satisfied in the right place, follow me on this. If you don't get these satisfied in the right way and in the right place, you're going to search out and go to the wrong places. And then the need never gets met. The need never gets met and it leads to frustration and it leads to emptiness. Follow this. And it leads to destructive choices and habits and relationships. And you end up further and further from your true source. And I want to go all over that one more time. Because you've got to have these needs met. You've got to. And if you don't get them filled and met in in the right way, you're still going to try to fill and meet these needs. But you'll go to the wrong place and these needs won't get met. And you'll end up frustrated and empty. And I mark my word. And you will be making destructive decisions. 
destructive habits, coping mechanisms, destructive relationships, and it's going to take you further and further and further from your true source. When if you'd open that door and actually allow for some intimacy with God, God and intimacy with him, he meets all needs. He heals all hurts and he fills all emptiness through intimacy with God. There's no other way to fill, to cure, to relieve these other needs or the consequences that you have from searching out from some other source other than intimacy with God. We've got to have intimacy with the Lord. Intimacy is closeness, it's warmth, it's safety, it's absence of fences, it's trust. It's to be fully known, fully accepted, and to have no fear of rejection. And I want to share with you just four things this morning. I'm going to do this quick. I could do a whole series on each one of these four, but I'm just going to kind of introduce them to you real quick this morning of how we can cultivate and develop having intimacy with God because, listen, you need it and he wants it. Amen. Number one is time. Time. There it is on the screen. Everybody say time. You're going to have to spend some time with God. Now I have this chair down here. This is out of my office here. And I spend a lot of time in this chair. And I study and I read and I think. I mean, remember Winnie the Pooh had a thinking place? That's one of my thinking places. And we have meetings. That's normally where I'll sit. We have team meetings and pastor meetings and, and things, and I'll meet there. But I want that chair to represent time with God. And you're going to have to take time. And I can hear you already. I don't have time for all this. I don't have time for intimacy with God. But you know what? You're going to have to find the time and make the time where you get before him and it's unrushed and it's uncluttered. And you just wait. And sometimes I'll just start to tell God all the names I know for him. And I'll try to really think about each one. And we were singing some this morning. He's a mighty God and he's a and he's a prince of peace. He's my creator. He's my redeemer. And he's my shepherd. And he loves me. And to listen and to listen. And to speak and to listen and to wait on him and sing a song even though you don't sing good. And sometimes just lift your hands, sometimes just whatever. Don't bring all your stuff. I'm going to bring my laptop and uh, check on those emails and Facebook because Jesus is all around me. That's like inviting all your friends for date night. (laughs) You can't bring all that. And just uncluttered and unrushed and just taking time with God. Heart open, mind open, Bible open and taking that time. And I hope that and you don't have to have a chair. It doesn't have to be a chair like that, but I tell you what, you better have a spot. And I got a cozy chair here and I got a cozy chair at home. You got to have a place and get to that place and get with God and spend some time so you can have intimacy with him. Secondly, and it'll be on the screen for you here, transparency. Everybody say transparency. 
And it's a matter of this. Here I am as I am. See, sometimes we get religious with God. Sometimes we try to change our voice and put on airs with God. And guess what? He knows. And sometimes we show up to the place to spend time. And we're all like, well, Lord, I hope you had a good evening. I did. And we're talking in all kinds of religious tones and everything else. Lord, I, I had a challenge earlier. Really, it was uh, bearing on me, but I chose to walk, walk in. And you're doing all this stuff. And really, what you need to tell God was, God, that really made me mad. That upset me. Lord, I'm worried about this. Lord, I'm tempted. I dare you to tell God that. I'm tempted. I'm distracted. Or tell him, I'm afraid. Or tell him, I'm confused right now. I dare you to just be open and transparent with God. And just tell him, Lord, I'm, I'm so thrilled with what's going on. And I know I didn't do any of it to you. Just You just got to be open. You just got to be transparent. Because you know what? Religion, as I told you, it's very proper. And it's very respectful. But you know what? At this point, God doesn't really want you proper and respectful. He wants you to be honest. And just be honest before him and take the time to do this. And I, it's like I'm almost hearing this. I don't have time for this. Listen, God gives every one of us 24 hours every day. Every one of us. And it's how we choose to use that time. And you better find you a chair. And thirdly, submission. Submission. It's on the screen. There it is. There it is. Submission. It's just that you're accepting and trusting and yielded and surrendered. You know, I, I don't know how many things I've surrendered to God in a chair like this. And I've asked the Holy Spirit to do this. Lord, don't let up on this one. Don't let, don't let me buy on this one. And you know what? I'll show up the next morning for time with God. And I had made one ounce of progress or thought on something. And you know what? The Holy Spirit. Yes. Yes, sir. We'll work on that today. And submission to him and to his will and that we trust him and we can relax before him. Not being resistant and uptight and uncooperative and questioning. It's okay to ask God questions. But don't be questioning. Don't have that kind of tone. And then the fourth thing is this. Consistency. Consistency. I sport this day-by-day band. How many of you got yours? And listen, it's not supernatural. This is not, yes, see, I'm... Shazam, you know, this is, this does not do it for you. This is a reminder. I said, this is a reminder and whatever you need to do to remind you, it's a day by day by day by day kind of thing. Listen, you cannot hear me on this because you know, all these shows, the bachelor and all this garbage and different things going on. We think that's intimacy or we think that a weekend away here and there is intimacy. God doesn't want no weekend away. He wants day by day. Well, I'm, I've got this great retreat coming up in a few months and then I'm going to get alone with God. You know, God doesn't even care about anything, anything like that. He's wanting the day by day. But yes, God moves and works in times like that, but it's day by day, by day, by day that you show up. Because I'm going to tell you what, he'll be waiting for you. We've got to get back. Growth is returning and going back to the place that God is our source and God is our everything. It's spiritual growth that involves doing what the Bible says to do. Doing what the Bible says to do and walking with God.
And when you get still enough and when you get desperate enough, you're going to hear a knocking. And what you need to do when you hear that knocking is you need to open the door. And you need to invite him in. And something wonderful happens that when you open that door and invite him in, this guest now becomes the host. And when you spend time in intimacy with God, and I'll end with this, time in intimacy with God, he meets all needs. He heals all hurts. And he fills all emptiness. And the only, only place to get that is with him.